with your host, professional wrestler in training, DJ Bush, and the other professional wrestler in training, Stefan Allen. Stefan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing wonderful. How you doing, sir? Uh, I'm a little emotional, uh, but we'll get into that a little bit later on in the podcast. Tonight we were supposed to be doing Dave Batista Part 2, but we're going to do things a little bit different. Stefan, who was your person that got you into wrestling? Got me into wrestling. You mean like who first watched who you first watched that Monday Night Raw or Monday Night Nitro or old VHS tape? Who's the first person you watched wrestling with? Uh, I mean, probably it probably my cousin, my cousin who did amateur wrestling in high school. Uh, mainly because he put me in sharpshooters and choke ho- and uh, sleeper holes and shit. So a lot of times when it was on, that's what was going on. <laughs> uh, I understand. And the reason I said I'm kind of emotional is my one, the person that introduced me to professional wrestling was my Aunt Deb. My Aunt Debbie Do. Uh, and Saturday midday towards the evening my aunt left her earthly body and went home to be with Jesus at the age of only 59 years old and the reason I said we're going to do things a little bit different is we're going to make this whole podcast tonight in memory of Deborah Tiger my my beloved aunt if that's okay with you Stefan oh yeah most definitely most definitely all right, and the first thing that we need to talk about is something that she always asked me a lot. What is wrong with professional wrestling today? And my answer was always the same. They forgot the basics. They forgot a hip toss, uh, lock up, the simple things. It seems nowadays all we do is... Hot at high spots, uh, Stefan. For those non people in the big high spot, is uh, if I remember correctly, and I mean, this is the best part about us being where we are because we're learning and trying to teach. But I've you know, um, I think that's just any point in the match where you are doing something that not at a crowd, uh, but uh. I do. I mean, to a certain extent, I feel like wrestling now has just evolved. I feel like while a lot of people feel like it has lost some some things, it's just kind of evolved, and it's also created some new niches and areas that wasn't around thirty or forty years ago. Very, very true. Very true. It has evolved, but my question: Did it evolve for the better, or has it evolved for the worse? I mean, that's a very good question. I mean, you could look at a lot of different avenues and areas of of society and say the same thing. You could look at the NFL and and how different it is, thirty you know now versus thirty years ago. You could do that with any area of 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 life. That that is very true, and 
Another thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to give you five wrestlers from back in the day, and you're going to tell me if they would have made it in today's professional wrestling. Five wrestlers from today, and I'm going to break it down if they could have made it in the 1970s and the 1980s. How does that sound to you, my friend? I like that. I like that. Well, the first one, paying tribute to my beloved aunt, is her favorite wrestler, Goldberg. Could Bill Goldberg, I mean, he does have a match at SummerSlam, but could Goldberg still be Goldberg if he debuted in 2021? I think it could work if you took the if you took the gimmick and you took the booking and you did it exactly the same. I think it could work today. I mean, I think that I would change up some things here and there, but I think that that gimmick was just a flash in the pan, and I think that you can put almost anybody into it. Because it really wasn't much, you know what I mean? But I, I feel like it was – I've heard in wrestling a lot in my training, you know what I'm saying, uh, more uh, – more, uh, less is more. Very true. And you say in that it could kind of work with that gimmick. Is it the Goldberg gimmick, Biggie Langston? I think the Goldberg gimmick is any big guy – is any big guy in – any big guy. I mean, I feel like for what people, honestly, I I like, I'm a Goldberg fan. I don't really see what the problem was with the with with him. I feel like that was one of the best gimmicks in the history of wrestling. That streak, the 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 short matches, the I understand that that's usually did for somebody that is that is green or 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 new to have matches be that short, but. It's, Style wise and from a technical standpoint, I don't ever I don't understand the, the problem with Goldberg. I mean, I, mean, I get, I get what he did to Bret Hart. I, I mean, I, I, I get that part of it, and I and and I get what he did to Bret Hart and you know the different shit. But I mean, those types of things happen in wrestling all the time. Exactly. You know? So you Bret can't Hart be, even says it wasn't Goldberg's fault. Right. He I mean, or, or that could have you, happened in a match with anyone. Right. Or you got Austin who Austin's neck is, is jacked up. You know what I mean? So um, I think the like I said, I think it, it's it's Biggie Langston. It's it's uh, it's uh, Miro. Uh, is shit. it the man he's facing on Saturday night? Bobby Lashley, because a lot of people uh, are say Bobby Lashley is the next Goldberg. And it kind of I, I believe. Like- I believe what it is is I believe the the what's the word I'm looking for the the genome is the same the base the base DNA is the same it's it's basically for some nerd terminology the it is it, it's, it's about size it's about speed it's about athleticism and all of the individuals that we have mentioned have size, have speed, and have athleticism. It's just packaged differently. I think that if you take a Bobby Lashley, if you take Bobby Lashley in his prime and you take Goldberg in his prime, I think you can see some similarities, but I would still give the edge to Bobby Lashley. If you take Bobby Lashley and Goldberg now, I would still give 
the edge to Bobby Lashley because I believe that while the genome, the base genome is similar, it's some shit that Bobby Lashley do that's just a little, you know what I'm saying, that takes him a little bit further away from gold. His spear, his spear, how he flips, how how he sticks his arm out and just does a front flip bump, and it is a beautiful spear because all he does is flip. Any edge could flip. Anyone that has delivered the spear could have flipped. But Lashley just does that, and it makes it look ten times more power- powerful than Roman Reigns. And you know ten what? Ten times I, more powerful than Goldberg. And you know what? When I first seen it, I thought I was. I thought I was. I thought the weed. I thought the weed had me tripping. I was like, wait, did he just flip in? Did he just forward flip into his spear? And I went back and I rewinded it like four times, and I noticed that. And I thought it was like maybe one of these one-off things that talent tend to do in matches just to do something that they normally do just in a flashier or more different way. Then I started realizing, I'm like, no, this is like a staple. Like you mentioned, all of those individuals do the spear, but I've never seen anybody else do that. So that's what I mean about that base genome being there, the spear being something that all of those individuals, and it's funny that we got Edge included in this, so let's take him out and keep it to the big dudes. All of those individuals use the spear in some way, shape, or form. But here we have one person who has figured out a variant or a variation of a move and how to just make it look like something brand new, but it's the same shit. And that's the key to learning this wrestling thing that we're that we're attempting to learn is that you're going to learn the old school way or the the best way to do it. And then if you really have the IQ to you can add something to it like that. Uh, and now you got this antiquated move that everybody else is using, but when you go to use it it's going to give somebody a whole different effect. I'm going to tell you something. I'm telling all the listeners something that I learned from the late, great Tracy Smothers. The best piece of advice I ever got from a man. There's two de- ways of doing it. There's the old school way, and then there's the wrong way. Uh, I don't know if you came across that saying in your uh-huh. training yet, but that is something a lot of old school guys will tell you. There's the old school way, and then there's the wrong way, indicating that the old school way is the one and only way. And so many people has differed from the universal. You know, you go into the lock, lock up, you get that head, hip toss, shoulder tackle, lariat or clothesline, duck under, leapfrog, all that basic stuff. And if you look at the Hardy Boys, Edge and Christian, the first four or five minutes of their matches when they first broke into the industry, it's what we call the universal. Just a very right. just different spins on it. The universal is the most important hold to learn in professional wrestling. Universal spot. Spot. Or it's called the international, the first way that I learned it. But um yeah, that's a very and, and again, we talked about it on the first episode probably 30 years ago. Nobody would be talking about this and giving y'all the, the behind the scenes of it. And if you we're, don't know what the Universal is, ladies and gentlemen, it is a spot that every wrestler go, should know, whether he's in Mexico, Canada, Japan, go watch the any, United go, States. Go watch any match. And I would. this is what I say. Go watch any old school match. Or any international matches. Or any national or any or any international matches, and watch the very first 
30 to 60 seconds of the match. The, cru- the Cruiserweight Classic from WWE, I think 2016 is when they did it. Yep. yep. Look it's, at the Cruiserweight Classic matches all the way through, and the universal spot is there. Yeah. Um, but again, like we said, you know, I've, I've heard that maybe just with a, a different terminology. I think, like we said before on the first episode, this uh, wrestling, as much as people say it's like professional, it's it's like it's performance art. And, and I still hold to that it's like football or that it's like basketball in the sense that it's terminology and it's things that you'll hear that stand true. But it's just put to you different ways. Um, what, what what DJ is saying is very true, though. That um, Arn Anderson is one of my favorite wrestlers because of the arm bar. When I've studied Arn Anderson, I, I am know this. so glad hey. you just said Arn Anderson. I don't mean to cut you off, but no. we're gonna uh, say that Goldberg could make it over, and and now, and the next wrestler I was going to throw up there was going to be. Three, two, and one. I was going to bring up. Do you think the tag team of Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard could get over nowadays with their old school mindset? I, the revival. I mean, if you look at the revival, there, that's Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard from the nineteen from nineteen eighty six. I mean, that is the yeah. four horsemen right there. Yeah, I, I think that I think that they could get over because it would. I think because technically. Uh, technically, they would get it done. I think that there's not a lot of uh, – I don't think there's a lot of tag teams nowadays that really focus on being technical, you know, I think that – and really being able to break a team down. Like, I remember – Most tag you know, teams are spot monkeys. That or is it's playing it is again, like I said, I think it's a lot of different ways to play to a crowd. And I think that in professional wrestling, what ends up happening is is where we think that the best way to do that is by jumping off a whole bunch of shit, doing a whole bunch of flips. But I think that when you, you can play the emotional aspect of it, you could beat a person that you know, beat a person down. You know, and really have somebody, you know, really have the the fans of that person or the fans of that team, that team, like, oh, you know, oh shit, on the edge of their seat, hoping that the the babyface team, or you know, pulls it out. I when I was growing up watching tag team wrestling, I didn't quite understand it as much as I understand it now. I see tag a lot team of wrestling thing. I see a lot of the same things. Like I never understood why the let's just say the good guy would be over in the the corner of the bad guys for so long getting beat on and then it's like oh he's trying to make his way to his partner and and you know they got him by one leg and then there's the hot tag which is oh i'm I'm struggling to get to you dj and then i finally get there and now you jump in and the crowd goes crazy and so i think that arn and tully for what I've seen of them in the AWA days and the NWA days, they just broke motherfuckers down. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Arn did it with the arm with that with that arm bar. And I've seen him take the inventor that of the spinebuster. Let's not yeah. forget. Arn Anderson invented a move that us big guys can put up can pull off so easily. And does that shit so effortlessly, so so flawless. You know what I mean? So Even I, I mean, at his age now, I mean you can see him every now and then pull out a 
Spinebuster in AEW, and he does it like he's 20 years old, just doing and, the move for the first time perfectly. And, and if Brock y'all, and Anderson, oh my god! I was, I, I'm glad that you led into it because I was going to, I was going to take the, the the timeline if you didn't. So if you are, I'm I'm 32, so most of my Arn Anderson that I've watched is on YouTube. But if you are young now and you want to understand Arn Anderson, or who is this? Is this his son? Is this his nephew? Who is this? It is in his the son. Ring? Okay, I was wondering about that because I've been watching AEW and- Dark, and let, that's a nice plug for AEW Dark and AEW Elevation. Go watch this Brock Anderson kid, and you will really understand what we talk about about his pops. And obviously, he sat back and took notes from his pops. And if AEW is smart, personally, I think they need to sign Tully Blanchard's daughter, Tessa. And what they need to do is they have Brock Anderson. They have the son-in-law of Ric Flair, Andrade, bringing the daughter of Tully Blanchard. And you have three of the horsemen, three of the four horsemen's kin. But wait a minute. You have a fourth horseman who has a son in AEW, Brian Pillman Jr. You bring them in and add the son of the horseman's greatest rival, the grandson of the plumber, Cody Rhodes, and AEW faction-wise, I think that would be beautiful. Because no one knows the business like those five young people I just named. I think if a, I think I think if AEW wanted their version of evolution, I think that that would probably be the, the dopest way to go, seeing as that all of them either have a bloodline, lineage, and connection to the horsemen or by association with Andrade. I actually think Andrade should form his own stable, which I think is coming. But I think Andrade – I was saying this the other day. I think Andrade reminds me of Ric Flair in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And not just looking nice in a suit, but he has that same kind of mentality towards playing the heel role. Um, I would like to would I like to see him do his own version of the horseman or or be a part of this what we talking about? I think it would be dope. I mean, I, I would wonder uh does Tully have uh, Tully has right, Tully Tessa. has Tessa. So right, he don't have a son that could pair up with Brock and that we could get a, a updated version of him and his pops and what they went but i think that yeah um i think that i think that Arn and tully today could get over i think that that old school um way of of wrestling and and those types of matches if you go back and you watch any of them you might not know who they're up against because they just went up against a lot of what seemed like local talent you know what i'm saying or or in and in a lot of ways seemed like they were squash matches but uh, I think that that's that I would get over today. I mean, you think that you think that way, but the people that Tully and Arn was wrestling was the team of Magnum TA and Dusty Rhodes, America's team. You had beautiful Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry, the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express. You had the Fantastics, the the Freebirds. You had so many great teams in the eighties that was going against Arn and Tully, and Arn and Tully was always coming out on top. Uh, Arn Anderson's podcast, I will always plug the Conrad Thompson Podcast Network, uh, Ad Show, 
adfreeshows.com. Like, I give Arn a listen because you can learn so much from his wrestling mind. And I just want to circle back to Andrade real quick. To me, he gives off wealthy vibes. Not saying that Eddie was poor, but for me, Eddie was from the streets. He lied. He cheated. He still you know what? his where he belonged. That's Andrade where... has that mentality, but with the wealth of Ric Flair. That's see, that's where I see honestly, I see more Eddie in uh Garza and Angel Garza. Uh I I just feel like the 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 charisma is 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 different. I feel like with with Andrade, he has charisma. Like I said, it's more of that, like you said, that well Angel Garza gives me Chavo Guerrero vibes. See, so we kind of have Guerrero Jr. I'm sorry. When he was in Los Guerreros with Eddie, but when he was cruiserweight champion, he was kind of out to prove himself as I'm not Eddie's nephew. I'm Chavo Guerrero Jr. Right, right. So, um, yeah, I think that, like I said, I think that um, I think that that AEW does a really good job of what we're talking about in general, which is keeping the, the older. The, the older aspects of wrestling alive. One of the biggest ones that I didn't quite understand in the very beginning was their showtime, the 605 show start. And I remember that there was a lot of talk about that, about Cody wanting to stay true to, to the, the, the old do you know where that Do you know where that comes from? Cause I right. live in the Jim Crockett promotion. So I actually and you know. can go ahead and you can and talk about that for the people that don't know. I do know, but I'm gonna let my boy go ahead and bless y'all on what that's all about. That is because that Saturday morning at 6 5 AM is when Jim Crockett promotions would bless your TV screens. And they started their evening shows at 6 5 PM. So that's and. That was through Dusty Rhodes' booking, and Cody kind of just wanted to stay true to his dad with that. And honestly, I love it. I love that Dust that Cody Rhodes is so about keeping Dusty Rhodes alive. And honestly, WWE just needs to give him the rights to his dad's name. So we are saying Tolly and Arn is a yes. Now, I, this is a very controversial question. Could Dusty Rhodes get over today? Yeah, I believe he could. And I believe that the close, and this is my personal opinion, um, the closest thing that we possibly could have to Dusty today if WWE wasn't constricting and confining in how they tend to book characters is Keith Lee. Cause I don't, I don't remember in in my time of watching now, other than maybe Mark Henry, another guy of that size stature, being a face and being as charismatic as Dusty Rhodes and being able to have everybody in the palm of their hands. I think if you unleashed and really let a Keith Lee be limitless, we would see a lot of similarities between. Dusty and Keith. And if you go watch Keith's indie stuff before he got to WWE, then maybe this take will make a little bit more sense and it won't be as hot as it, it sounds. I'm a big Dusty Rose fan, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying comparing uh, uh, Apple of then to an Apple now, 
yeah, I think that Dusty could do it. All right. And the last person I'm going to ask, someone I personally do not like, and I, I'm i pretty sure most of the workers who are true don't really care for this individual so much, the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, I think that the Ultimate Warrior could get, up, could get over today. I think that... Um, I think if if you had to ask me in between the two right now, WWE or AEW currently, which one I think he would probably have a better chance of doing that in, I think it would probably be AEW. One of the biggest reasons why I tend to I've tend to I've gravitated towards AEW a little bit more than WWE is that I noticed the 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 freedom of creativity and the license of creativity in gimmicks. And I think a gimmick like the ultimate warrior, I could see that up against a jungle boy or uh, uh, Miro or any other kind of more out there and kind of flashier gimmicks than the WWE has going right now. Like, I don't even think if you had an ultimate warrior in WWE right now, there would be somebody that I would want to see him up against, you know what I mean? To be completely honest, um, just that gimmick in itself. Cause that gimmick to me is just wild as fuck. And it, it's, uh, and it's gimmick, a wa- gimmick aside, how do you feel about Jim warrior? The person that played the ultimate warrior, knowing what we know about him now as a professional wrestler in training, how do you feel about him? Well, I believe, I mean, again, you got to understand that's somebody who was obviously popular before our time and uh, actively in the ring or I was born in 89 again. So I'm 32. So I, a lot of him, to really kind of understand because again, I've heard a lot of people kind of talk bad on on him as a wrestler, but talk highly of the I thought that he was I thought that he was a good wrestler. I thought that he was a good wrestler. I think what happens is What about the stories of him being super unsafe to work with? Um and I was about I'll thank you for giving me that that uh that assist um that alley oop I think that with wrestling and to everybody out there that's trying to get into this like we are and something that I'm striving to do and is a is a vow is that uh, I want to I want to be balanced. I think that a lot of times you can have a great gimmick and that be the thing that gets you over and don't spend so much time worrying about trying to get over. I don't think that we're talking about that in a way to where that's like the focus. But what I'm saying is, is that sometimes you have a really great character, like the fiend that can, that gets over character wise, but then the actual in ring wrestling might not be on the same level versus you gotta get over not. with the boys. Right, but then at the same time, you on the other part of that though, you have wrestlers who in the ring have really great technical ability and are really you know entertaining, but then don't have the charisma and don't have the mic skills and don't have the ability to get themselves over in that way. So getting over the term is self-explanatory. It's the way that you do it though, and I think that what 
um, what I'm striving to do, like I said, is to really have that fine line be drawn because I feel like some of the best gimmicks in the history of wrestling are that fine line drawn. You know what I mean? Like a, another great example is a Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit, technically in the ring wrestling, one of the greatest things ever. But go Google or give me a, a, a Chris Benoit promo to go watch. I'll wait for it. You know what I'm saying? So I think, that, yeah. you know, for everybody out there that's listening, you know, Ultimate Warrior, you might have, you know, I've heard people shit on a lot of the promos and, and shit on the in-ring ability, but I've heard people talk very highly of just the, the character in general. So, you know what I mean? So you might not be able to check every box, you know, but that's at least what I'm striving for, you know what I'm saying, in my attempt. So, yeah, I think it could work. All right, and now it's time for your five modern wrestlers, and I'm going to see if they can get over in the Jim Crockett territory in the 1980s. Man, off the top of my head, I'm, I'm, I got, I feel like I've been sitting back and I've been coming up with a real nice list for you. Um, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins could. Hmm. I could see it. I could see. Seth Rollins getting over in the 1980s, but he would be, he wouldn't be the heavyweight champion. Like, he would get over, but he would be a steady mid-card. He would be the, that guy that would be going against Magnum T.A. as the hill. Or if he was face, he'd be going up against Arn Anderson for the television title. I could see Seth Rollins getting over. 100% Seth Rollins would go over. And the reason why I bring him up first is I feel like he is somebody who does a really good job. He understands the psychology of professional wrestling. Exactly. He does a really good job of working the shit out of fans. Mainly when he is a heel, I feel like he's at his best when he's a heel. Um, As a face, I like him. I liked the run when he was was uh, up against Brock. I liked the run when he was dealing with the Fiend, but I feel like the the authority gimmick in 2014 when he turned on the Shield and all that stuff like that was his best work. And I feel like now what he's doing with the cheap with the cheap suits and the and all of that and feuding with Edge, I think that that again is some of his best work. But like I said, it before, really is. It's as a heel. So not, you know, again, not everybody can play both sides of the coin. You know, not everybody can be the big show, even though he didn't really do both sides of the coin very well at all. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll take he, it He just was a constant coin flipping. Flipping, exactly. Even though he, there was some, you know, some good. I'll, I'll take that back. I, there was some good and some bad on both sides of the coin flipping. Kane and big show tag team. <laughs> But probably one of the greatest out of Big Show's baby face. Right. So, again, like we said, to bring it back to Seth, though, the re- you know, I just feel like that's somebody who in the 70s and 80s gimmicks and, and, and wrestling seemed like it was about that, where you, you played into the crowd, whether you were a face or definitely when you was a villain. You know what I'm saying? So I think that Seth Rollins was – Definitely somebody I wanted to throw off the top of the list. The next person I would um, ask about is 
huh, I, I want to shift this person to kind of higher up on the list, but we'll just, just go ahead and talk about it since we've been talking about AEW. Uh, Miro. Yes, 100%. Throw him in with the Kozlovs. He would have got so over if he would have stuck with his Bulgarian, Russian, uh, nationalist gimmick. He would have been so hot as a heel in the 1980s. Who you got next? Next up, let's move it on, moving on up the list. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping the placement because we're going to get real crazy with this as we get up. How many we didn't did? We did two. So two. They okay. So um, let's go with a female right now. Um, Becky Lynch. No. She would not have gotten over in the 80s. Uh, personally, it's because of her gimmick and how strong-willed she is and everything. Men just weren't ready for females to be that good. But if she was a male, 100% Becky Lynch, if she was a male, could have got over in the 80s. Just as a female in the 80s, it, the industry wasn't ready for her. The 90s, possibly, she could have gotten over, but Becky Lynch is at the perfect spot where she needs to be for the history of women. The reason why, because and the reason why I asked that, I'm glad that you you gave me that assist. Is that that was the reason why I asked that? Is because I feel like that's the strongest. I honestly feel like that's the strongest, and I don't mean as far as strength, because I still feel like that's China. That's the strongest female gimmick that is I've ever seen in my life is Becky Lynch. I think that um, the reason why I asked that did Glow exist? Is that a was Glow a seventies thing or was that an eighties thing? I think the it old, was seventies and eighties. She okay. would have gotten over in Glow one hundred percent. That's the reason, and that's exactly the reason why I asked that because I believe Becky Lynch. If you took Becky's gimmick now, if you took the man gimmick now, and you time and you teleported that shit through time, but through- honestly, Glow, if you watch the Netflix documentary, they do such a good job. It wasn't wrestling; it was a bunch of TV. And I love professional wrestling, but it was sexist to females for far too long. Right, but I feel like it. While I bring up Glow, I feel like if you took Becky and you took that Glow, I don't know, for me, even after I realized that about Glow, I still liked the ambiance of some of the women and some of the characters. And I feel like while, yeah, in WWF and and and, and probably NWA in different places, the women were still ancillary and still kind of complementary to the men. I believe that if you took out somebody like that, I think it it would be just as groundbreaking then and probably would have been inspiring and probably would have booked the status quo in the trend. I think that that's what happened is that a lot of people were, I think a lot of the women, no disrespect, were subservient and kind of, went along and you know you didn't have a trailblazer like that then to kind of change the timeline so that's why i was asking if you took her back then do you, not only do you think could have got 
gotten enough over, but do you think that it would have changed the course of wrestling to have somebody like that? I honestly I don't think it would have because look at China. She did so much and got so little. I just don't think society as a whole was ready for the women to get the boost they got until they got it. And it I, it saddens me that I have to say that because personally, I think a lot of women in the 90s and 80s should have got way bigger pushes than they got. I agree. I, I, agree. I, I, I truly feel like we should have had a women's world heavyweight champion in the WWE by now. Well, I mean, we, we talked about Tessa earlier, and, and you see TNA did that and, and, and made that something that's happened. And I believe uh, if, you, if you're stuck in the world, the WWE universe, you know, we've never had that. But I believe outside of... At the height of her popularity, I truly believe Trish Stratus should have been world champion, like, or Lita could have been world champion, and those two women would have set the That's bar. That's a take. That's a take. We might have to save that one for a later show because you know what? I don't know if I ever spent time thinking about other than China. I don't know if I've ever spent time thinking about anybody from that time period, from the Attitude Era, being championship material. Even now. I think I, I honestly believe now the only person, only two people in WWE that would stand a chance at doing that and it would actually work would either be Charlotte or it would be Becky. But to think back then, the only person I could really think of and it would at least credibly make some sense and be somewhat believable in that fine line between real and it's China. All right. Who is number four? So we didn't move down yet. We are four. We are at four. Let's do another. Um, I'm trying to bring it around wrestling. Let's see. We didn't. I gave an AEW wrestler a shout out already. But then again, he kind of a WWE AEW wrestler. Let's do another AEW guy. I want to give you could Cody Rhodes have gotten over in the 80s with what he's trying to do with with so much of his gimmick being inspired by his dad do you think that if we teleported him back i got a question did dustin rhodes get over in the 90s doing it because the answer is yes he did i mean he i would i was i was Trying to recollect, he did it to the point where shit, Vince, you know, Vince, once Vince got a hand in, on him, uh, punished him, put him in polka dots and all the other crazy shit. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah he so definitely. I truly believe that Cody Rhodes could have been just like his brother in the 90s and gotten over with the whole, I am the son of Dusty Rhodes. I'm here to show what I can do. I'm here to show you that my dad was the greatest pro wrestler, and not only was he the greatest pro wrestler, he gave birth to even better pro wrestling. Because that is all Cody is about. He's like, I am the son of Dusty Rhodes. My dad was the greatest, and his genetics were passed on to me. And then he goes out and shows it every single time he touches that ring. I think. Listen to his theme song. His theme song says it all. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that in in for the 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 ones in training like us, uh, here's another old school kind of term that was coined and was used was living your gimmick. So a lot of wrestlers back then, and I don't you know don't know how many people actually really lived their gimmick, but you was gived the plumber that was it the son of a plumber. Dusty Rose really was the son of a plumber. So you kind of concocted this idea that like, yeah, I'm the, again, the the, the second coming or, or the lineage of somebody. And like we just, like DJ just spoke about, I think that if you, Cody is really the embodiment of that. I think a lot of people, there's a lot of different embodiments of the, the, the term, but I think that Cody right now is the embodiment of living a gimmick. He really is the son of, a wrestler and that's that's obviously his pops you know what i'm saying and he does a lot of things that a lot of people say oh i wish he he would stop pulling from his dad or i wish he would stop trying to be like his dad but it's like for a lot of us that's that's how life is you know what i'm saying like, you know you 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 i you grow up watching and idolizing something that your dad is doing and you want to in, in to embody that um when it's your time you know so i that's why i asked that 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 is very true and you know uh so who is your number fifth and final pick sir i I, I wanted. I, I was. I was really trying to debate if I wanted to use this man or if I wanted to use Roman Reigns, but I chose to use this man because obviously his name is back in professional wrestling. But with CM Punk, no. Granted, no, everything no, that we've no, been talking no. about tonight, would CM Punk have gotten over in the eighth? No, 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 no. CM Punk would have been laughed laughed out of every single locker room he stepped foot in in the 1980s and after. CM Punk, uh, just personally, is not that great of a professional wrestler. He can cut a promo, yes, but he he's not that good. Uh, the reason I say this is, Personally, I judge a wrestler not only how they are in the ring, but how they are backstage. And the fact that he blatantly stole a move from Kenta, a.k.a. Koto Obushi, not Koto Obushi, Hideo, what was his name? Hideo Itami. Hideo Itami. He blatantly still the go to sleep from him. And Kenta never, was, his, Kenta yes, was Kenta. his name on the, the, indie, uh, the indie scene. Yeah, I mean, I, I bring his name up because, again, the, the tread that I was looking for, and I hope that I, I hit that tread um, all the way through my list was what I spoke about earlier, which is being that balance and being that fine line between uh, being entertaining in the ring and then being entertaining on the mic. And I and I honestly, we, we agree. Personally? Uh, I believe that CM Punk would have been a Bruiser Brody and probably stabbed in the locker room if he would have been around the 1980s. I, I mean, my personal opinion on CM Punk is I, I I believe to a certain extent, and and here's another 
great way for the listeners out there to kind of understand what I mean between the 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 balance is a lot of fans go a lot of fans balance their opinion off of wrestlers off of if they were indie talent and then when they get to WWE or get to a major company a lot of people love CM Punk because of Ring of Honor and all the other places that he was at and then there's the WWE CM Punk, which I feel like on the mic, do I believe that he is great? Yeah. The matches, do I'm not gonna I'm not gonna undercut him. I'm not gonna be like did he I feel like cause one of my favorite matches is the match between him and the Rock at the Royal Rumble for the WWE championship. Um I just feel like he's somebody like that, where it's like, is he balanced? Enough? Would I really say? Mm, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no. And I think that also just the his general attitude is my biggest issue. Yeah, it, his attitude is just the biggest issue because when you look at what he complained about with WWE, would I say that all of those those complaints that he had was were um, were not warranted? No, some of them were, but when you look at the totality of that man's WWF, w, if you look at that man, the totality of that man's WWE career, anybody he, will want to have that resume. Anybody will want to have multiple money, multi, one, if not multiple money in the bank, uh, uh, successful cash-ins, uh, tag team title reign. Two uh, years in a row winning the money in the bank briefcase. Okay. Uh, didn't main event a WrestleMania, but any time that you are in a match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania, you're pretty much damn near in the main event. There and are some people who only watch WrestleManias for The Undertaker's matches. So, again, sir, granted, you might not have been the last match every big show. Second to last ain't fucking bad. You know, if if we want to go off the, the Ricky Bobby philosophy, you know, if you ain't in first, then you but I mean, hey, sometimes being going on second really ain't bad. He won the Money in the Bank briefcase at the time that Money in the Bank was at Mania, and a lot of the time, a lot of people only want to know who won the Money in the Bank, and then kind of tuned off Mania after the Money in the Bank, and he did that two years in a row. Yeah. And so I'm- WrestleMania 25, one of the most star-studded WrestleManias, he won the Money in the Bank in a amazing match against the likes of MVP and Christian, just to name a few, he, and he doesn't seem happy. And my personal problem is if you watch his interviews, it's always this guy ran me out of his company. This, that guy ran me out of the company. It's never CM Punk ran himself out of the company. It's always someone else did it to him. When as a man, as a professional wrestler, you need to own up to what you did wrong. Right, so I think that that's why I chose to go with him last because I'm really wondering, you know, with his return set to you know, and and with it being in AEW and things like that, I'm really excited to see now what his mindset is going to be towards the business because he's no longer in WWE. He doesn't have anything to do with them anymore, not even – 
WWE backstage. So let's see now if it really was so much of the, the pool that he was in or if it's what we're talking about. But I think that it's interesting that you said that he would have he wouldn't have gotten over in the and in the 80s. Um, just because I'm wondering again, Mike wise, um, and to 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 fuck with the fans, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, I think that he would have maybe gotten over as a heel because you always throughout history, you've always had a heel to come up. He breaks K Fabe too much. And in the 80s, it was an era where you don't break kayfabe. Kayfabe is God. And if you fuck with kayfabe, you, you get kicked out of the business. But let's move on to my favorite subject. The subject is our show, What's Wrong With Wrestling? But before we talk about what's wrong with wrestling, let's talk about what's right with professional wrestling. Christian Cage being a three-time Impact world champion. Stefan knows this about me. Y'all will come to know this about me. Christian Cage, Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, Dusty Rhodes, and Edge. Those guys are my holy five of professional wrestling. And Christian, man, he did it. He beat Kenny Omega with, spoiler alert, a kill switch onto a steel chair. One, two, three in the middle of the ring. I think this is one of the greatest things in professional wrestling right now. What is your feeling about it, Stefan? I believe to see Kenny Omega drop a drop, uh, well, at the time it was two belts. Now, with it being defunct, it was one belt. I'm not the biggest Christian fan. Um, again, on the theme of tonight about that fine line. Christian's um, better than Edge. Oh, I was just about to get to that. I was taking the slow. I was taking the slow. No, nope, uh, I will always take that bro. hot take. I will take the bullet. Christian yeah. was the Shawn Michaels, and Edge should have been the Marty Jannetty. And I, that's what I was, again, like I said, the fine line that I've been talking about this episode is that I feel like if you go back and you watch Edge and Christian, both of them dudes, charismatic as fuck. Um, but I felt like, and I'm going to use another example too, charismatic as fuck, but I feel like Edge was the better, more entertaining in the ring wrestler. I did think that Christian was Who got the nickname Captain Charisma? Who right. got the nickname but, Captain Charisma? And I was, thank, thank you again. You Thank you for the assist. Oh, I, I see why. Argue. I, I see why. I see why he has that was given that nickname, but it's just it's still not my. It's still just not my cup of tea. I I take an edge before I take Christian. In the same way that if you look at the Hardys, I take a Matt before I take a Jeff. Matt's the steak. Jeff is the sizzle. Right. So as you see. Listeners, Christian's talking the about edge is the sizzle, right? There's some people who have there's some people who have both of them, but have both elements, and that's balance. And then there's some people who lack it and need somebody like that, whether it's a Paul Heyman, you know what I'm saying, or a tag team partner to give you that that you don't have. I feel like everybody has it, just everybody don't have it to the same levels as, you know, the next person. 
You know what I'm saying? My level of charisma versus my boy DJ's level of charisma might be slightly different. But does that mean that we don't have it? No, we just have a different level of sprinkling, a different level of seasoning. So, um, I mean, I'm happy for him. I think any time that you can you can win a, a world championship and win a championship in professional wrestling, that's a very uh, powerful moment. Even though know, giving fans that are less casual to it, are saying, "Well, isn't it fake? So why do it matter? And what's all the emotion in it?" I mean, again, it's it's something that you're doing. You put your body and, on the line, and you and know, emotion in professional wrestling. Yeah, you I mean, know, those are we some said of we were going to talk about this for my aunt, and, and that's just one thing. Everyone has that person. Edge, it was his grand, grandma and his mom. Christian, I'm not for sure, but everyone has that person that got you to like professional wrestling, the first person you watched it with. And for me, it was my aunt, and emotion will always be with, there. She loved Christian, and someone that I think she would hate, the bad of professional wrestling. The man that should have lost the AAA Mega Championship to Andrade the night after Kenny Omega. Have you heard the story of why Kenny Omega retained the AAA Championship? Yeah, and I was, and I, I like that segue. I was going to get to it. Uh, I think that the, the the two most emotional moments in, or three most emotional moments in professional wrestling, are when somebody wins the championship, when somebody retires, and when somebody dies. If you go and you poll any true, I, mean, I hate the term true, but any professional wrestling fan that's been watching for more than 10 years, they have a favorite championship win. They probably got a favorite retirement speech, whether it's, you know, Hall W or after, you know, a match or an indie show or a show period and dying. You, you know. know what? Uh, we're going to play a quick game. We're not going to take too long on this, but let's break that in. Favorite championship win. For me, it was Edge cashing in on John Cena the very first time. Mm, that, okay. that was the most emotional for me. What was yours? <sighs> it, it, it might sound cliche, um, but Kofi. Kofi. Uh, um, I understand. It, it, it it brought a it's, there's not very few moments in my fandom of being a professional wrestling fan that have legitimately evoked emotion and brought a and physically brought a tear out my eye. You know what I'm saying? To to really see that, and I I remember where I, it's almost one of them. Man, do you remember where you was at when it happened? Yeah, I was actually coming from a flag football game, and I was on the train platform. And I jumped on social media and I was able to see the end of the match. And I got to see pictures of him being up on, on E and Xavier's shoulders and shit. And a, and a tear, I remember, really came down my face um, because I had never seen that in my in my, in my time. You know, now, as much as, you know. your people, retirement speech? Um, sting. Sting. And, and and that was because I, I forgot how he how he worded it. Um, the very last words that he said, I, I forgot exactly how he worded it. I bring it out on another episode and make it make sense. But it just it, even though I mean it wasn't really a retirement speech because he's he's in 
AEW now and he's still wrestling. But I mean, he. he I, 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 oh, you know what? Take that back. I'm, I'm going to take that one off because that wasn't a retirement speech. That was his Hall of Fame speech at, at uh, his, that was his WWE Hall of Fame speech. Let's think uh, retirement speech. Um, While you're uh, thinking, I'm just going to go ahead and say mine. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels' retirement speech was the greatest thing ever after Taker beat him. And I know he came back a couple times since, but it was his retirement speech, and it was amazing. Um, I think on mine, did Undertaker – no, under, did Undertaker didn't speak when he when – he, Yes, he uh, did. He did speak at Survivor Series a little bit. You're right. Okay. So that was the one that I was kind of – Flipping around in my when he finally said and he kneeled down and the projection of Paul Bearer that, Man, that dude, was that, that, that was one of the best that because as we said earlier less is more he could have talked for 10 minutes that would have been 10 minutes too long he could have talked for five minutes that would have been five minutes too much less is more he said what he said the most his most iconic quote you know what I'm saying? You had Bearer. You had all of the moments that was necessary. Now, speaking Boom. of Bearer, that's the perfect segment. Now it's time for what wrestling death affected you. I think I know where you're going, but Stefan, who was your wrestling death? Um, Eddie. Eddie. I, knew, I thought you were going to say that. For me, it wasn't public. It was a death that happened earlier this year. He was the number one fan of Big B Pro Wrestling in Owensboro, Kentucky. His name was Sam Tackett. And when I would do security, he would hassle me. And we always said something in security and the boys in the back. If you were a heel or, and he didn't boo you, you didn't do a good job. If you were a face and he didn't cheer you, you didn't do a good job. Or if you were facing, he didn't boo you. He booed some of the faces sometimes. If you didn't get a reaction out of Sammy, and he was saying, boo, you sucked. Truly, he meant, boo, you sucked. You should have went home, did an early finish, and just got out there. Because if you couldn't get Sammy to pop, the, the match was trash. And my favorite memory moment with him uh, – it happened two years ago, coming this coming Tuesday, uh, August 24th. It's my birthday. Two years ago was a Big B show, and I smashed cake in my dear friend Trent Taylor's face, and Sam looked at me in the eyes and said, get another piece and do it again. He deserves it. And that match with Trent Taylor was amazing because y'all know, know Jimmy Valiant, right? The Boogie yeah. Woogie Man. Yeah, you know, real popular name. Trent Taylor was facing his son, the Boogie Woogie Boy, Gary Valiant. Oh, shit. Okay, okay. Great guy. Amazing entrance and everything. He danced with me. It was my birthday, but that Sam Tackett was my death. But let's continue on with what's going on. What's wrong with professional wrestling? RK Bro breaking up. But they fixed it. They fixed it. Because they reunited RK Bro. Do you think RK Bro will be taking the tag team titles from what I say is wrong with wrestling, Omos and AJ Styles? 
I think that because the WWE tag team division on both shows is is so limited and such a revolving door that you, you need a new team. I see it happening, and I can see the being eventually the win them, and then there'll be dysfunction. That's and that what I'm hoping. The reason why they lose them, and then they'll end up facing each other. That's what I want. That's what I want. Again, I like we, you know, like we've been talking about tonight, uh, throughout the show, you know, uh, just is is the old school elements going? No, they're just they're there, but a lot of them are just really, really tired and and, and played out, as I like to say. I mean, how many times have we seen a team come together and With fall Randy apart? Orton in it? Or, I mean, just in general. I'm talking about just in, in general. Oh, I'm it, just it, talking it, about Randy Orton. There's probably been a I thousand would, like that, and Randy Orton's been in 500 of them. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I, I would, you know, while I, I'm I'm not the biggest – I'm not the biggest Riddle fan. I'm an Orton fan. Um, I like I, the team. It's one of I'm those – I'm a fan of both. I think that it's one of those quirky kind of – Attitude era, eighties, probably, um, probably not eighties, but see a era, little bit of fantasy booking. Probably nineties tag team. You, I could see Riddle and and and, and Orton being like a nineties attitude era tag team. Because picture them breaking up, Randy Orton going to win the WWE title, right? Riddle defeating Orton for the WWE Championship, because I think. Matt Riddle is the next Randy Orton because he calls out Brock Lesnar. He calls out Goldberg. He wants these big matches. He's already pinned AJ Styles. If he can beat Randy Orton, what stops Matt Riddle from being the next legend killer? Because, honestly, it's time for Cena, Orton, Goldberg, these guys to pass the torch and move on. And I, I think, think it was – I mean, not to cut you off. I think that it's easy. I think it's – the talk about gimmicks. The Legend Killer gimmick is is one of the easiest gimmicks to give to anybody because, again, all you need is a, is a small percentage, a small list of legends. I think that anybody – I think that anybody could do that gimmick. Well, could really you know do who- it? Could Riddle you know do who it? gave that gimmick to Randy Orton and who gave the bunt kick to Randy Orton? Go ahead and uh, let the people know. Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson passed those on to Randy Orton and it just keep because look at Arn Anderson. Look at the legends that he put out. Yeah, I think that that's why, like I said, I think that that's a gimmick that's not really a gimmick so much as it's a it's a it, it's 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 for the biggest and brightest star because a lot of no, it's a that- it's a mind it's a mindset it's a mindset to embody. True. You know what I'm saying? When you come into any again, whether it's football, basketball, hip hop, uh, country music, whatever, it's it's people that you didn't idolize, and 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 what it, and it's always said you don't want to be like the people that you idolize. You want to be better than the people that you idolize. So Very everybody. True. And everybody, in a way, is a legend killer. 
But you know in pro wrestling, unlike other sports, if the legend doesn't want to lay down for the one, two, three, so many times, I think that that's Hogan, the only. The yeah, legend that is, won't lay down. And that is the only difference because, you know, uh, if I'm a basketball player, you know, if I if I was, you know, if I was a basketball player, Jordan course, and Kobe, Jordan I, gave it all, and Kobe still broke his ankles. Right. It's very exactly. Back. Is, is you know, or or you look at uh, you look at uh, Allen Iverson crossing over Michael Jordan in the All Star game. You know what I'm saying? It's very rare that you get legends. You get a, a up and comer, and you get somebody facing the legend. You know, I feel like one of the in boxing, one of the one of the biggest matchups that we were robbed of by time was Tyson and Ali. Imagine a, a young, up-and-coming, hungry Mike Tyson versus the legend that was Muhammad Ali. You know what I'm saying? So I think that the legend killer ideology uh, uh, can be given to anybody. Could it? Could Riddle pull it off with some of the names that he's kind of you know went out went out up against? Uh, yeah, I think I think he could. Could I see him as WWE champion one day? Um, I think that. As a yeah, I think as a face, I can see it. if he if at some point maybe he turned heel, I, I can see it. I'm not gonna I'm never gonna rob anybody of of the possibility and the potential to to be the champion of any company or promotion because I believe that being the champion is you're the spokesman. You know what I'm saying? Like that would be my only question with him. And again, that fine line and that balance that I've been talking about all night is. Could I see him, for lack of a better word, an old school term, draw people? Could you see him on a on a poster getting people to watch SummerSlam? You know what I mean? Or, or WrestleMania or, or whatever pay-per-view that it is. It's easy to put titles on people. People are really front and center of your your company, your your brand. You know what I mean? So could I see Riddle doing that at some point in WWE? Yeah, I think so. All right, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to wrap up. And before we go, I just want to tell a story of my aunt for y'all to laugh at. And I'll never, never forget this. We were, I was probably 10 at the time. We were watching WWE. Actually, no, we weren't watching. Yeah, we were watching WWE and Ric Flair came on. And she cracked me up because Ric Flair was always the ladies' man. And she straight said, the things I would do to that man if I could get him alone. <laughs> I, I started busting out laughing and everything. And that was just the type of person she was. And I'm, I'm pretty good at holding it together. But I just want everyone to know that she, if you have a loved one, just don't take it for granted. Give them their love. Show them that you love them. Tell them that you love them because... I have a newborn baby daughter. She uh, turned nine weeks today as we were are recording this on Wednesday. And my aunt, I thought, had all the time in the world and was going to meet my baby girl. And they never got to meet each other. But my aunt loved my daughter from the moment she found out that me and my wife was pregnant. And Aunt Deb, I, I know you're listening to this up there in heaven with Andre and Randy and all the greats, and you're smiling down, saying, that's my boy. Uh, 
I love you. I'll never forget you. And until I see you again, uh, you give the wrestlers in heaven some help for me. Don't uh, beat Andre up too bad. I, I love you. Uh, Stefan, do you have anything you want to close us out on? Um, I mean, I'm going to just take us home with um... – I can definitely speak to the sentiment. I lost my my great grandma this year in May. She was ninety five, and um, I mean, she wasn't a wrestling fan. But I mean, I know for me, being a wrestler, um, she's she's got the best seat that you could possibly get, the best ticket that you could possibly have to to watching me from um, up there. You know, with God. Um, and, and everything that I'm going to be doing down here. So, you know, as we, you know, we talked about where wrestlers in training and this journey is, is going to be rough and this journey is going to get hard and you're going to lose um, the people who have always been there for you and, and you're going to gain people that are always going to be there for you. But ultimately, um, you know, we, we all got to go up there at some point. Um, I think the fact that my great-grandma, Carrie Johnson, is is up there now um, is is a great thing because I'll be up there one day. So while I'm down here and I'm chasing this goal and I'm chasing this dream, the one thing that I said that I, I have to get done in some capacity before, um, he asked me to come up there and, and, and be booked up there, um, I got to do it down here. You know, so to to everybody out there that's been listening to us tonight, um, if you have somebody that you watch wrestling with, um, continue to do that and cherish those moments. And if you if you don't have somebody to watch wrestling with or if, you know, find somebody, you know, or, if you know, one of the questions is and a lot of times is if you would show uh, somebody one match, which match would you show? So if you are a fan. Go out and find somebody that's never watched a wrestling match before and show them some of what you enjoy and see if that's something that y'all can enjoy. And to, to have get. that match in your back pocket. Uh, we're just in the show with this. For me, that match to show people, Flair versus Dusty, Starrcade 85, one of the best matches of all time. Uh, Stephen, um, what's, your, what's your match? For me, um, and – it went to, you know, the question earlier of, of uh, what death hit me hard was Eddie. Um, I'm I'm showing somebody his uh, no way out and him winning the WWE championship over Brock because that whole match is just it's it's a vibe. And I, At you know, the Cal Palace. From yep, from beginning to end, from from him coming in there and and going over to his family and and celebrating with his family before he had even really you know before the match had even got started to to the end where he didn't won the belt any over there with them. That's the way that if I could win a world championship, that's the way that I would want to do it from beginning to end with all of them elements. You know what I'm saying? So uh, again, and that's again another element of family. It's, like I said, you know, my great grandma is up there now, you know, and and I wish that she would have been able to physically down here be in a seat at a show and watch me wrestle. But now she's going to get to watch every one of my matches that I'm ever booked in. You know what I'm saying? From now until the, the end of my career. So, you know, it's a, it's definitely a heavy subject. You know, death is definitely a real thing. And it's, a, it's something that we really can't avoid. You know what I'm saying? When the taker spoke on that, what did he say about uh, – Death taxes and what was the other? Uh, what was the third one? <laughs> uh, I don't remember. 
He said it's I don't three, it, actually know if I know what you're talking about. I think he said it's something on the lines that it's three things in life that you can't defeat. And then he said it's death, taxes, and something else. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's true. You know what I'm saying? We we are here, we are alive, but at some point we all got an expiration date. And the craziest thing is, is we don't know when the expiration date is. You can go in your refrigerator right now and, and turn a, a milk carton over and you know when it's quote unquote gonna be dead, but you can't turn yourself over and do that. And you can't do your loved Very ones true. like that either. Ladies and gentlemen, follow us on Facebook at Nerds Talking Wrestling. Me and Stefan will have that page out very shortly. It will probably be out by the time this podcast airs. Thank you so much. Uh, with Nerds Talking Wrestling, this is DJ Bush over and out. Stefan Allen, you have a wonderful night, my friend. Gone.